As we open up today, I was thinking last time um, I talked about Joseph, an old man, a man from the Old Testament, and um, so I thought today we'd talk about a woman, take a woman from the Old Testament as well. So take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And while you're turning there, maybe I could just ask you, have you ever gone through a season of life where it feels like maybe God has forgotten about you. Maybe you're in a season like that. It can be a long season, a difficult season. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever been downhearted? Have you ever been sort of miserable, uh, in grief, in anguish? Have you ever felt like someone was out to get you? Maybe someone at work, someone in your family, maybe a neighbor in the neighborhood trying to get and provoke you. If you've ever had any of those kinds of feelings, then this passage is a good passage for you. In 1 Samuel, we're introduced to 10 different characters. Six of them are background characters, and four of them are the four that we'll look at today. And one of them is a woman named Hannah. She's the mother of Samuel. Samuel, you know, is the kingmaker. He's the one who anointed King Saul, the first king of Israel, and he anointed King David, the second king of Israel. And uh, this book talks about Samuel quite a bit. But where did Samuel come from? Well, this chapter one tells us about his mother and his father, and it's the story of Samuel being born. So look at 1 Samuel with me, chapter one. And verse one, it says, there was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Here's our first character. It's an interesting name. It's a name that means God has created a son. And that'll be very important as we look at this passage together. And then we're introduced to his father, Jeroham, and his grandfather, Elihu, and his great-grandfather, Tohu, and his great-great-grandfather, Zuph also an Ephraimite. Now, if you ask me who is my great-great-grandfather, who's my great-great-grandfather, I can look it up because my daughter's done the research, but I really don't know anything about them. But in this culture, your lineage was very important, and so here is this lineage of this man, Elkinah. Now, verse 2, he had two wives. Now, men, I don't know about you, but I've been happily married for 46 years but with all respect to my wife, one is enough for me. And here's a man with two wives. One was called Hannah. Her, name's, her name means grace. And the other, Penina. Now, here's the problem. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. In a culture that looked at the Old Testament and said, children are a blessing from God, the Jewish mindset turned that around and said, if children are a blessing from God, then if we turn that around, if you don't have children, then you must be being punished or cursed by God. That's not true, but that's what these leaders would do. And so in this culture, it became very prevalent. If you had children, good for you. If you didn't have children, shame on you. You're doing something wrong. Something's not right. There's a problem here. And so Penina had children, but Hannah had none. And so verse 3, year after year, 
This man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, you might remember those two names, they're the sons of Eli. So they're just background fellows being introduced to us. When you get into chapter two, you can read more about them. But whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all of her sons, plural, and daughters, plural. So she has at least four children, two sons, two daughters. So at least four years have transpired where Penina is having children and Hannah is not. But to Hannah, Elkanah gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah hadn't done anything wrong. This wasn't something because of her great sin. God closed her womb. Sometimes, and here's our first point of application, sometimes in our walk with the Lord, God may do things that we just don't understand. Here's a woman who wanted to be a mother. Here's a woman who's praying to be a mother, but God closes her womb. Sometimes God allows us to go through long seasons of difficulty. How long was this for her? At least four years, probably longer than that. And year after year, she and her husband are faithfully going up to worship and she's unable to have children. The Lord closed her womb. Sometimes God allows you to go through great difficulties in your lives. Maybe some of you are there right now. Maybe you have some rebellious children. It seems like you know, every week, every month, they get more and more rebellious. And it's a long season as you're praying for the Lord to bring them back to himself. Maybe you've had some sort of financial loss. Maybe you're unemployed or underemployed. Maybe you have an unsafe spouse at home or an unsafe parent that you've been praying for year after year after year. Maybe there's a broken relationship at work or at home or maybe even here in the church. The Lord closed her womb. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficult seasons in our life. Now let's read on here. Because the Lord had closed her womb, verse 6, her rival, who's her rival? Penina, the one who could have children. Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Now that word provoke has this idea of poking someone. Just if you're within arm's reach, turn to your neighbor and poke them. Just once, just be nice. Now if you were to poke them a second time and a third time and a fourth time, pretty soon they're going to say, stop it. Stop provoking me. And the thought of this word is this woman Penina just kept at it again and again and again, just kept provoking her again and again and again. This went on, not day after day, not week after week, not month after month, but year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her. Penina poked her until she wept and she would not eat. Some people, when they go through a difficult time, stop eating. Other people, if you're like me, when you go through a difficult time, you start to eat. 
and you eat too much. But here's Penina now with the intent of agonizing her, provoking her. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Now, guys, if your wife's crying, if your wife's so upset that she's not eating, don't ever say something like this to her. I think he had good intentions, but men, sometimes we just don't understand women. Alkina is one of those guys. I remember one time I came home from the church and I walked up the stairs to my house, I opened the door and I stepped into the kitchen and one of my daughters, I have three daughters, they're all married, grown and married now, but I have three daughters and one of them sitting there and I said, hi. And as God is my witness, that's all I said and that's how I said it. Hi, smile on my face. She burst into tears. I'm like, what just happened? Daughter number two came walking in. She looks at my daughter crying. She said, Dad, why do you do that? (laughs) She goes over and hugs her. And pretty soon, they're both crying together. Daughter number three walks in. She sees two daughters hugging and crying together. And she goes, oh, Dad. She goes over. I'm like, my hand's still on the doorknob. All I said was, hi. And I've got three daughters in tears. My, da- my wife comes walking and I said, good, finally, somebody will be on my side. My wife looks at my daughters, she looks at me and she says, honey, you don't know women. And she's right. I don't know women. Elkina, I think, meant to say something encouraging. But guys, sometimes we just don't get it. And he says, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons to a woman who wants to have one son, but has had no sons, while her rival in the house, the other wife is poking her, saying, hey, hey, I've got kids, you don't. Verse nine, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli, here's our third character we're gonna see mentioned here. Eli's the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, this is a very difficult time for Hannah. Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. You know, when you cry out to God, like Hannah does, sometimes we think that our prayers have to be sort of sanctified. They've got to be perfect. They've got to be clean. But that's not the case. When you're in anguish, We can follow the example of Hannah. And even if there's bitterness and harshness and even a complaint in there, we can cry out to God. Turn to um, Psalm 55. Psalm 55. Here's an example of King David. And in verse one, he says, listen to my prayer. So this is King David's prayer. This is how he prays. Oh God, do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. That's what Hannah was praying. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. 
because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me, and they assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. This isn't sanctified and cleaned up. This is a man telling the truth. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. You ever feel like that? You're going through that difficult scenario and you just want to be rid of it. You just want to leave, flee, get away from it. David says in verse 7, I would flee far away. I would stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. And if you look up at the very beginning of Psalm 55, it says a mascal of David. This is a song that David wrote. Not only did he pray it, but he sang this on a regular basis. He had gone through so much anguish that he actually put it to words in a song. Now go back to 1 Samuel and we go back to the story of Hannah. What do you do when you're going through a long, difficult season? We do what Hannah does. You cry out to God. You pray in your anguish, in your grief. You pray and cry out to God. Be like Hannah. Be like King David. So verse 11, she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. And that's our main takeaway today. God will never forget you. But if you will remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Who's Eli? He's the priest. He's the spiritual leader. He's the pastor. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. In other words, she's standing there praying away, but no words are coming out of her mouth. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And this brings us to our third application today. Hannah is misunderstood. She's just praying. Her heartfelt prayer. But a spiritual leader, Eli, misunderstands her and accuses her of being drunk. Husbands and wives here today, you probably have had a misunderstanding one time or another. Parents, children, not uncommon for the, there to be a misunderstanding there with your father or with your mother, a misunderstanding with your boss or with a coworker. Misunderstandings happen. I remember one time we were, my wife and I were driving to the church. It was a Sunday morning. I was scheduled to preach that day and uh, something went wrong on the way to church, and we had a misunderstanding. Uh, truth is, we were having a fight. We're driving to church. We get to the church. We pull into the parking lot. I typically like to get to the church very early, so no one else was there. So we're sitting in the car, and I said, "Hun, I can't go in and preach until we resolve this. She looks at me and says, 
well, you better be prepared to be here for a while because we've got some things to work through. And so we kept talking. And pretty soon one car came in and a second car came in and three or four cars came in. And here's the pastor sitting out in the parking lot in a strong exchange with his wife. Finally, someone came over and knocked on the window. I rolled the window down. You guys okay? We're fine. And I rolled the window back up. More and more cars came in. Finally, it's almost time for church to start and we're still going at it. Sometimes we have misunderstandings. But read on here in our story. Hannah had been misunderstood and she says in verse 15, not so, my Lord, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answers, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Hannah was going through a long season of difficulty. She cries out to God. She's misunderstood. But yet then she explains, this is my prayer to God. And Eli changes his thinking. She said, verse 18, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Elkanah's been going through life with a name meaning God has created a son but he has no son with Hannah. But then as Hannah prays diligently, year after year after year, God gives her her wish. God allows her to become pregnant and she has her son. And that's how we have this man, Samuel, who at the age of 37 anoints Saul and then 40 years later at the age of 77 anoints King David. And that's how we get the kingmaker. God did not forget her. Look back at Psalm 55 for a moment. David came, comes to the same conclusion. In Psalm 55, in verse 16, he says, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. The Lord remembers me. Evening and morning and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. God will never forget you. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God remembers Hannah, remembers David, and he'll remember you. Look at verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And in the last phrase of verse 23, but as for me, I trust in you, Lord. That's what Hannah did. That's what David did. And that's what we need to do anytime we're going through a long, difficult season that the Lord has allowed into our lives. Be like Hannah. Cry out to him in prayer and God will never forget you. So three takeaways I want to give to you today. Number one, understand difficulties 
will come into your life. Remember verse five, God closed her womb. In case we didn't remember it, verse six, God closed her womb. Sometimes, sometimes we get in trouble because of sin on our part. That's not the case here. Sometimes we get into trouble because Satan's after us. Sometimes we just do something stupid. Sometimes God allows difficulties into our life. God can even allow difficulties that have sort of a sin origin. origin. Remember Joseph? We talked about him back in February. When their father died, the brothers thought, now Joseph's going to get his revenge and come at us. And what does Joseph say to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Sometimes, even things conceived in sin, God can allow difficulties into our lives. So how do we respond to them? The second takeaway, be like Hannah. Cry out to God. In verse 10, we see her praying. In verse 12, she's praying. In verse 15, she's praying. In verse 16, she's praying. Cry out to God, like David in Psalm 55. And then the third takeaway this morning is simply God will never forget you. That's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful truth. You may be going through a difficult time. I don't know about it, but you know about it. But remember, be encouraged this morning. God will never forget you. You know, sometimes our difficulties that we go through in the culture here in the United States, you know, it might be something like the second car is broken down, or it might be something like the AC doesn't work just the way we want it to in the middle of the summer. But when you get into other cultures, you start to hear some stories. I have one story I'll tell you about my friend in Zambia. He's a Zambian man. He's a pastor there. And uh, God allowed him to get married, and his wife had two children, and then she had a third child. After the birth, soon after the birth of the third child, she got very sick. She had to be taken to the hospital. This fellow didn't own a car. So he went to a neighbor who had a car, and he said, may I borrow your car? I need to take my wife to the hospital. The friend said, sure, you can borrow the car, but I have no gas, which is not uncommon in some of the places we go to in Africa where people have a car but no money for gas. He says, you can use the car, but I have no gas in the car. He goes to another friend and said, I need to borrow my friend's car, but there's no gas in it. Can I borrow some money from you to buy the gas? The friend gave him some money. He bought the gas. He put it in the car. He put his wife in the car. They drive to the hospital. But in all that time, she just got worse and worse. She died on her way to the hospital. My friend was grief-stricken over that. But now he's got three little boys that he's responsible to raise. And so he was asking God for another wife in time. And uh, in time, God gave him that request and allowed him to marry another wonderful woman. And uh, she too had three children and their kids sort of met like that. So now they have this big family of six kids. She's in a car one day driving with someone else and there's a terrible car accident. She's killed instantly. And now my friend is left with six children and no wife. And people begin talking about him, begin gossiping about him. They start to say, that pastor at that church, he's killed two wives. He's a wife killer. 
And as he was going around town, people were saying, there goes the wife killer. There goes the wife killer. He had done nothing wrong. But sometimes God allows difficulties into our lives. How do we respond? Respond like my friend. Respond like King David. Respond like Hannah. Cry out to God. And remember this truth. God will never forget you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for the story of Hannah, this woman who endured this in-house provoking from a second wife. Uh, Lord, I just can't wrap my arms around what that must have been like for her. But year after year being provoked, provoked, provoked. And year after year just saying, God, please allow me to have a child. And finally, after going even through more difficulty of being misunderstood, God grants her prayer. And she has a son. And we have this wonderful story of how Samuel was born and how he grew up and uh, served with Eli and later anointed King Saul and then King David. So, Father, may we be like Hannah. And I pray for each one here today, Lord. I don't know each individual. I don't know each story. But you do, Lord. You do know who's going through a hard time. You know who's going through a difficult time. And so, Lord, I pray that you would allow them to see your purpose in this difficult time. And I pray that they would be crying out to you, just like Hannah. And Lord, I pray, I pray soon, quickly, you would remember them and honor their requests. So I ask this on behalf of each one here today, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.